It's time for Speaking of Speaking, quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. Welcome to another edition of Speaking of Speaking, where we help you improve not just your speaking skills, but your communication skills in general. And there are many aspects of communication. And today's guest, I am so thrilled to be bringing today's guest on because I don't think we've covered this anywhere in the show yet. So I'm really thrilled to be talking to Susan Jane Harrison, or SJ Harrison, as she's known. She is an actor, a playwright, a voice and performance and presentation coach as well. And today we're talking about embodiment and how this factors into speaking and performance. SJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Carl. It's a real pleasure to be here. And I hear you'd like me to talk about embodiment. Let's talk about embodiment because this is not a topic we've covered. So when we're talking about embodiment, we're not talking about internalization and we're not just talking about basic gestures. There's other things here. So when you say embodiment, what do you mean by that? Okay. You've just really cued me to talk about this in a slightly different way than I'm actually used to talking about it because you said the word internalized. And where I learned about embodiment in order to create a program that I can teach other people Mm. is really from my acting training, which was very diverse in the sense of we didn't just focus on the psychological aspect, such as techniques like different forms of the method, say. We also focused on voice. We focused on how to speak impactful text. We focused on movement and the body. And so what this taught me is that there's many ways into performance. Yet, particularly in the US, we have a situation where acting training tends to be focused around solely psychology Mm. and using the imagination to provoke emotion which is a very important component. But because I started really in terms of teaching, working with actors, it became clear to me that a lot of people were coming to me because they didn't know what to do with their bodies. So somehow in their training, there was a separation created between the mind and the body. So when we apply this to speaking, what I learned as an actor was that through starting with the body, the body knows a lot. So when we use the body in what might seem like possibly you can frame it as a dry technique, it's not a dry technique. When we use the body, we can trigger both the mind and emotion. And once you're present in the body through being safe as speaking present in the breath, the rest of everything starts to connect and come along. So they all feed each other emotion, intellect, and the body, which is why starting with techniques as well as doing some psychological investigation, is a really wonderful, holistic way to start to show up physically on stage because that's your instrument. So this goes above and beyond gestures. This is above and beyond just being confident. So what are some of, and I don't want you to give away the store, of course, but what are some of the things that, whether I'm acting or whether I'm presenting as a thought leader, as a coach or a consultant on stage, what are some of the things that I need to be aware of, if that's even the right terminology. Yes, absolutely. So one very simple and yet important place to start is the breath. Mm. 
So the breath is the engine of the voice. As you know, literally mm -hmm. without breath, we have no voice. And the voice is the epicenter of our communication with the world. So learning to breathe for speaking has many effects. For a start, the learning to breathe for speaking that I teach, and many people teach, in fact, is deep diaphragmatic breathing, along with a visualization through the body. And what that does is, first of all, it teaches us how to really support our thoughts because we need big breaths. And we also need some catch breaths, but fully taken in order to support the thought. And additionally, it calms the nervous system. So there's a lot of research out there right now about the breath and how it can help with so many things. It's a part of meditative practice, but it's also a part of engaged speaking. So I don't want to get off track. I'm going to pause it there and see what you have to say. Okay. I was actually just going to say breathing is important for life to begin with. Absolutely. If you're not breathing, there's a good chance you <laughs> yes. might need a doctor. But breathing is also something that and in your training, you've probably recognized this too and helped people through this. Not everyone breathes correctly. And because not everyone breathes correctly, meaning from the diaphragm, then because they're not breathing from the diaphragm, they might be breathing from the throat or just taking shorter breaths, even if they think they're taking deep breaths, they're not being present. They're not being as effective as they can be if they're controlling their breath. So you've really touched on presence brilliantly there, because when we are present in the breath with deeper breathing, we're suddenly present in the moment. Things seem to slow down and it gives us time to know what to say next, as well as being able to take a breath, a deeper breath. People are with us because we're breathing. That means they're breathing. We're mm -hmm. very tribal animals in this way. So if the speaker is breathing shallowly, the audience will start breathing shallowly. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So it's almost like it's a monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. Absolutely. We are very attuned to each other's physical situation. Mm -hmm. And so when we're able to take a deep enough breath in the middle of a sentence, which is often a good way to stop saying um, like if you're a habitual ummer, replace um with a deep breath can be very effective. Meanwhile, your audience are with you. They don't feel, oh, she stopped talking. They're right. waiting for that next thought to be delivered on the breath. And so that's where we can start. And if you think about the breath, it's in the middle of the body, mm -hmm. right? Yes. When we're breathing diaphragmatically, we know how to breathe deeply, which by the way, all babies do. So we did once. We had free voices when we were babies. We had a whole scale that we could go up on, down on with these enormous breaths, right? So when we get back to learning how to do that again, and I would say socialization is one of the reasons that we lose it, we suddenly discover that it's happening in the middle of our body. And from there, gestures can naturally emerge. This is a very layered process. It doesn't just happen overnight, but the first place is to start breathing. And then we start figuring out why is that difficult? Oh, I have a lot of throat tension. And throat tension often comes from shutting down what we want to say. That's the socialization aspect. Or staying small. When we breathe shallowly, maybe we won't be noticed. There's so many different reasons that this happens for us, but it's very normal that it does. We talk about the breath, but how much of that too is how we position 
our bodies. Like you mentioned about when we're closed in or when we're small, and I've seen speakers do this and I'll use words that might not be at the same level of things that you're talking about, because obviously you have deep experience in this, but when people are closed in, when they're speaking and they speak quietly, that's affecting their breath, but that's affecting energy, which is affecting how they're sounding, which is affecting, and I'm assuming it's affecting the audience too. Yes. The audience might feel turned off or uncomfortable. If the audience is perceiving discomfort in the speaker, the audience will feel uncomfortable. So it's hard. It can be really hard, don't you think, for us to take the stage in life? I mean, that's where the psychological part comes. How many people feel uncomfortable taking up space? Some people seem to take up more than their fair share. Other people have trouble taking up their own appropriate space. And so... When we're on stage, it can also really help us to understand what our service is, that we're actually serving the audience. It can help us expand. That's part of the psychology into another way of thinking about it. We really have a goal and we're doing this to and for the audience. And so then that guides, how do we do it? How do we use our bodies? How do we use our gestures to convey an important message? We have to tap into the need to speak And then the breath can support that need and those ideas. And once we've gotten that breath centered, or as you said, you know, moving in a way that, or retraining ourselves to breathe like we did when we were babies, we probably don't do that now because, as you said, we've been socialized or whatever the terminology is that you use to not do that. Otherwise, we'd just be a different world. Let's put it that way. If we were all, you know, crying and whining like babies all the time. But what's the next step then once we've centered our breath or once we've gotten that? Learning to use the voice. And so the breath is there to support the voice as well as life. This is actually an important point, and I know we've said it, but I just want to point out that the reason we need so much supportive breath for speaking is what you said earlier about if you're not breathing, you're not alive. (laughs) So we have to take breath to keep us alive and then add to that breath the breath needed for speech, which is why we need to breathe in and out through the mouth. We do that naturally when we're speaking, you and I are doing it because we get the most air that way. So once we've started to learn to do that and the vocal practice, again, simply for speaking, is one in which we practice breathing in and out through the mouth, which feels really weird, right? Right. Mouth breathing. It's not healthful to do that at other times, but it is for speaking. Then we start learning strange vocal exercises that we will do. This is what I teach. It's Linklater-based method. There was a renaissance in voice teachers, Fitzmaurice, Patsy Rodenberg, and Linklater. And there are all these women who really started to talk about how to bring forth authentic voice. They have a very embodied approach. And although the approaches are different, they really kind of are aligned with each other. So with the link later, we might be doing some version of scales while we're moving the body. We will be trying out the resonances with different sounds. I felt very shy about doing this with non-acting students. That's another thing that I have to share on my own was, will people go for this who are executives? Will people go for this who are working in the health sector? Amazingly, Yes, I think the people who are really wanting to dive into embodiment really want to change their situation with speaking. But here's the part that I just want to make sure that I'm connecting the dots. So when we open up the voice and we start making these sounds, we can feel really uncomfortable. So again, Mm -hmm. if you're a singer, you're used to making a loud sound. 
If you're a singer who doesn't have a strong speaking voice, which I've seen happen, it can be about beautiful voice. It's hard to make that transition to sort of more freer breathing where there's actually in some ways less control and more relaxation. Right. Breathing for speaking has a bit more to do with release than control. So that could be a thing, but at least you're used to making loud sound. And for many people, what comes up is it feels very strange to go into octaves or registers of their speaking voice that they haven't used. These octaves often are associated with psychological states. So this is how the body is used to what it's doing, has shut off from certain areas. Voice is so much our signature in the world. I can reach my partner across the house by using yeah. my voice. My voice actually travels and they know it's me. So just to highlight how voice is tied into so much about our psychology and therefore by expanding our envelope and pushing that envelope physically, technically, vocally, other things start to be shaken loose. We hire someone like you, for example, to walk us through this, to help us feel this embodiment is we forget, at least I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that we forget that we do this not thinking. When we need to talk to somebody who's three rooms away, can you get the phone? Things like that. We're using different parts of our voice. We're using volume. We're using a higher pitch. We're doing it naturally. It's like outside voice on the playground and inside voice when we're in a quieter space, we don't need to be so loud. So it's absolutely, but psychologically, we have to get out of our head to get into our embodiment, to get back into our head. Is that maybe a good way of putting it? Yes, I think so. I think we sink the mind into the body. That was part of the movement practices that we did at RADA. And there was a phrase one of our teachers said, sink the mind into the body. And we'd be like, oh my God, eye roll. We're in our early, early 20s, you know, 19. <laughs> but it had a huge impact on how I moved through the world doing that training. It absolutely helped me as an actor, but I feel so much more appreciation for how it shaped me as a person. Ultimately, being really aware of what's happening in my body, being more aware, knowing what to do. I have lots of physical tension. It's not like you become perfect, but you become aware. And what can you do to release that? And at what point then, once we're aware of where we're at in our body, where or how do gestures and movement come into play? So that's really interesting. I think this applies to all of what we're talking about. People are different. And so I'm rather kinetic. That's partly why I think I love and have taken to teaching this. Not everyone is. So some people are already a bit naturally in their bodies. And so even though they have tension and are coming to me somewhat bound, it's easy to access because they click in. Others don't. And so imagination may be better for them. It's a process that is both in some ways universal, but also very individual. So there's some universal things and there's some very individual things. And honestly, when it comes to this, I think for some people, just opening up the body by learning to make bigger movements and inhabit the body with the breath, that takes a little bit longer, but it makes a huge difference to them. And they may not go on to be super gestural speakers. That's okay as long as they can be present in their voice. Other people, it feels very freeing to start to align how they would normally gesture because 
a lot of us do that naturally. Some of that's about observation, which is also included in my program. It's like, start to observe yourself with people. When do you feel at ease? Can we apply that to when you're not so at ease? Can you use those things consciously? So it takes a lot of practice. I'm not sure that I have an exact answer to that because it's going to be different for everyone. And I think that's something that needs to be stated though, because there are many speaking institutions or trainers even that will say, here's how you do gestures. Here is what stage presence and stage movement looks like. And theoretically, or maybe practically is a better way to state that, practically that might be true. But because it's so individual, what might be practical for me might not be practical for you, might not be practical for the next person who you're training as a presenter. And I do like how you said that if you're not gestural, that's okay. You don't have to be, don't force yourself because I think there are also trainers who will say, okay, make those gestures bigger, make them bigger. And if it's not you, that's just forcing you to be unnatural, almost robotic, over-rehearsed. That's so spot on. That's one of the things that I really feel is central to to this work should be authenticity for that person. And that can be cultural, it can be gendered, it can be so many things. Most of my clients, not all, but are from different cultures than myself and sometimes often different language backgrounds. So respect for that person and their context and delicately finding out what that is and what feels good to them is so important. So people need to be pushing that envelope But for someone, it might be having a strong, upright presence with good breathing and then doing one gesture or an impactful lean at the right moment. We all have a different energy. And how can we show up authentically for ourselves? And some people will gesture too much and that might need to be taken in to be more focused, right? So yes, absolutely to the individual. That's why I don't like those programs that are like, this is a power move. This is this. This is how you, yeah. But there are so many of them like that, that have a cookie cutter solution that will say, this is how you stand on stage. This is how you gesture. This is how you move. This is how you address the audience. And now that you've explained it, I have a different appreciation. So I'm glad that you shared this because I would not have thought, having spent years as a speaker, years in Toastmasters, years helping coaches, consultants, business owners, not only on stage, but also now in the podcasting world, I would not have thought that gestures are not a universal thing, that it's an individual thing. And there are many things that come into that and that embodiment is the first piece. I would not have thought this. So thank you for enlightening me. And if you're listening, I hope you are equally as enlightened. Before I turn you loose on the world, though, I want you to share with the audience, whatever the next step is for them. Is there something that you can pass on to them that can get them started, a checklist, anything like that? Yes, I have a free guide that is easily accessed on my website or my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is SJ Voice Performance. My website is sjharrisoncoach.com. And you can easily click to receive that. And it's the fundamentals of breathing and gives you just some tips that you can do right now. And we will make sure those links are in the show notes as well as the link to SJ's YouTube channel, which is getting some amazing traction as well. Some great videos there. I had the opportunity of being interviewed by SJ and that was a fantastic interview. So thank you for that. 
And thank you for being a guest on this show. I'm thrilled that we took the time to chat. Before I let you go, though, I'm going to give you the final thought. So I did just want to say one small thing about the cookie cutter idea of gesture and standing and how to look at your audience. This is cultural and this is gendered. And so a lot of those cookie cutter ideas are a particularly perhaps Americentric even, right? And may even be more to the male style. I'm just going to say that. So we need to be really thoughtful in how we're teaching and also making sure that something is a fit for us and feeling comfortable representing what our cultural association or background may be with gesture and standing and how do we approach and look at people. So I did just want to say that. My quote is from Kirsten Linklater, the voice practitioner, who died really recently, actually. She was still teaching until very recently. To free the voice is to free the person. I love it. And I think that's a great way to end it. S.J. Harrison, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom today. Thank you so much, Carl. It was a pleasure both to be here, but also to have you on my podcast. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking. <laughs>